When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Women in Leadership Podcast, featuring success insights from women around the globe. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of Women in Leadership Podcast. Now, my guest today says, if you have conviction that you have something to offer the world that will change it, you must go after it doggedly. Someone needs exactly what you feel feel compelled to create. Joining me on today's show is Melinda Hockey. Now, Melinda, she is a former US intelligent professional and researcher who has done stints as a UX professional at Accenture, at Facebook and Dell. She uses her expertise in geospatial visualization, online communities and collaboration to inform the direction of proxy, mentor other founders and drive research in human-centered design forward. Now, Melinda, she thrives on being an active community member, a digital creator, participating in local digital advisory boards and organizing local gatherings. And on today's show, she's going to talk about how to be the most prepared and the most knowledgeable person in the room. She's going to talk about the importance and how to play to your strengths, as well as why you should never take advice from people you are not in the position that you want to be in. So welcome to the show, Melinda. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. You are so very welcome. So the things that we want to talk about, I think every uh, woman in leadership or aspiring to leadership has probably at one time or another in her career thought about these sort of things. But before we dive into those, let's give you a little bit of an opportunity to give a snapshot overview of what led you to where you are today? I know I mentioned in the introduction a snapshot of some of the key roles and, and things that you participated in, but it's always good to give the guest an opportunity to share that in her own voice. So, Melinda, what were some of the what I call milestones and markers in your career that led you to where you are today? Oh, man. Well, let me um, first mention where I'm at today, which uh, was briefly mentioned in the intro. I'm the CEO of a company called Proxy, and we are a user-friendly, interactive mapping software, um, largely used by um, people in the hospitality industry to, you know, put local guides on maps and um, for people to, you know, just share recommendations in a more visualized and spatial way. And there's a lot of reasons why I ended up where I am at today, um, but a little bit about my background. So I did my undergraduate uh, degree in engineering at Texas A&M, which is where I met my co-founder, Chelsea. Um, and then, as you mentioned, I went into the intelligence community and there I was um, working on some internal tools and a lot of data visualization. And what I learned in that experience that, you know, relates to what we're doing at Proxy today is the importance of of visualizing data in a way that you can quickly and easily use it to make decisions. And sometimes really complex solutions are just 
you know, too much. They give you too much information at once. And you, you know, we found that people who had simple visualizations built on user-friendly tools um, were the most helpful. Now, when I was working on these tools, I became really obsessed with user experience. I've already mentioned this multiple times today, so much so that I went to get my PhD in human-centered design um, at the University of Washington. And so that was kind of my next big milestone. And in that milestone, um, I studied a lot of online communities. I shared, I studied how information was shared online and, um, it was, you know, three and a half years into that PhD program that I, you know, experimented with this mapping project for my community and found, you know, the need and the gap in the market to create user-friendly maps. So um, that's kind of, you know, the milestones that got us to Proxy today. And um, that's what got me to the idea of Proxy. And then, you know, obviously there's a huge journey after that to um, actually build it and get it to the place it is today. Yeah, I love that. One of the reasons why, uh, you know, hearing people share their backstory and the various assignments, if you will, and, and opportunities and projects that they've worked on, so often we don't see that when we piece some of the significant things that we've learned and some of those things are skills and so forth, along with the passion and desires and things that really interest us, when we project it into the future, we can see I can wrap all of that together in this particular role. And, and so often I hear women who have had different experiences look at that more as a um, more of as a negative, if you will, because they mm -hmm. haven't seen I'm just being in this one area and really become an expert in here in that particular area. But where you are able to take all of the things that you've learned from the different experiences and put them in this particular area, that makes you so much more valuable, if you will, because you're drawing on a lot of different experiences. Have you found that to be true now as you are continuing to build proxy and, and continuing to evolve that over the years? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think when I first came out of school, there was this really um, rigid vision of what a career ladder might look like. You know, it's this rung after rung, you're getting up to the next level and the next promotion. And, you know, I think sometimes people think when people get off that ladder, it's because they weren't doing well on that ladder. But I, you know, that wasn't necessarily true for me. That wasn't true for, you know, a lot of other people. I was doing really well on that ladder. But, you know, I think the thing that I've been most proud of myself for is, spending enough time in an area and then figuring out where my desires and my, you know, almost heart or interest are leading me. And that's when, you know, I left this really cushy, like awesome, cool intelligence job to go do the PhD, which was pretty risky, doesn't really run in my family, but that, you know, I knew that that was who I was and, and that's where I wanted to go. And, and the same thing, three and a half years into that PhD, I was, you know, getting ready to write my dissertation and proxy started pulling me. And, you know, it was a really hard decision to put that on pause to go do proxy. But those different um, deviations from the latter are what, you know, have created me into a more well-rounded builder and person and someone who actually gets to work on the projects that 
I love every single day. And um, that can be scary to hop off of that ladder. But um, I'm really happy that all of those experiences have come together, you know, exactly how they were supposed to um, for, for what proxy needed and for what the world needed right now. Yeah, I love that because there's what there's a uh, term that I used to we used to use in the career industry prior to this business. I was in the career industry. We called that planned happenstance. Planned happenstance. So we talk a lot about serendipity. You know, people in the right place at the right time. But it's interesting that you say because you know we're talking about the career ladder that often we don't take the next step up the rung till we see a couple of rungs up ahead, you know, we often make a decision of this is where I want to go. So this is kind of the area that I'm planning to go to direct me to that, the stepping stones. But what you said is that you never even foresaw that proxy was going to be an opportunity for you. But through stepping into the PhD, not, as you said, was quite a risk. That clarity didn't come to you till you'd taken that step. So this is a lesson for some of you women out there. You need to say yes to this opportunity that's ahead of you or maybe something that you've desired because the clarity that you're looking for is not going to come to you till you've made that step. And uh, I think sometimes there's there's some fun or some excitement um, and a bit of an adventure in stepping forward, even with kind of that uncertainty. And I think no opportunity is ever wasted. You can always learn something, can't you, Melinda, from whatever opportunity that you're in. Absolutely. And that clarity isn't always going to come immediately either. You know, the first year of my PhD, I had moments of regret. I had moments of like, why I went from being one of the <laughs> smartest, most productive people in the room where I was before to being, you know, the newbie who didn't know anything about um, academic research. I felt so out of place. But, you know, I think it's so important to make sure that you're filling yourself or putting yourself in spaces with people who are smarter than you. And, you know, that is a little bit contradictory to the things we wanted to talk about today, which was being the most knowledgeable person in the room. But I think you can't become that person until you spend time in spaces where you are learning and actively engaging with people who, um, you know, know more about something than you do. And that that space is uncomfortable, but you have to forcefully put yourself in that space to have the opportunity to grow. Yes. Let's talk about how to be the most prepared and knowledgeable person in the room because, you know, and, and even how to play to your strengths. I think they really um, bounce off one another really very well. And I love that you've shared, you know, if you are continuously the best prepared, the most prepared, the most knowledgeable person in the room, if you don't say yes to opportunities that stretch you where you're not, you're never going to learn and grow. Uh, but one of the things, and I'd love to hear what comes up for you, for me, it's always be curious, ask the questions so that you can continue to learn because sometimes the, the, the approach of wanting to learn from others can be the attitude that is most admired. Does that make sense? Because if you're always, look, I know everything and, and whatever, which we can't possibly because, you know, things always evolve, then we're kind of limiting ourselves. So share a little bit of how that came up for you. How did you address that? Hmm. Yes, exactly. Like what you're saying, you know, it's so important to put yourself in a space where you know that you have something to learn from every single person that you interact with. And so in saying that, what I'm saying is that, you know, you can't become the most knowledgeable person in the room 
you know, until you're in rooms where you're with people who are more knowledgeable than you. And knowledge doesn't have to mean some, you know, hierarchical you know, hierarchy of, you know, knowing it can be going to talk to someone, you know, whether it's for us, a travel influencer or someone who's just getting started, um, you know, as a front desk uh, clerk at a hotel, those people are much more knowledgeable than you. And it's not until you engage with that experience that you then become, you know, a more holistic, well-rounded, knowledgeable person in that room. And that also, you know, um, parlays into being the most prepared person in the room. I think, you know, I think those are, it seems like those are the same things, but they're really different, right? You know, you being most prepared person in the room has a lot more to do with the research that you bring to the table. How do you educate people, um, in the spaces that you, you know, live in or work in um, and ensuring that you're coming to those spaces, um, with the information that you need. So, Um, there's a lot to dig into there, but those two things I think, you know, are, um, they're a little bit different, but they're both really important. Yes. Let's talk about playing to your strengths. And the reason I say that is so often, and I've heard this before too, when people have said, you know, when I'm asked about my strengths, I really have to think about that. But then when I'm asked about my weaknesses, oh, I can rattle off an entire list Mm What is it? Have you found with women we tend to be a little bit awkward when we're talking about strengths? And and if so, what have you done to, because I know that you've also, in the introduction, we said you love to mentor women. What have you done uh, to support them in recognising, don't be embarrassed, don't be humble about your strengths because they're strengths for a reason. Use them and, uh, you know, use them to support the the project that you're on. Share a little bit about how you handled this, Melinda. Yeah. Yes, I think you're exactly right there that, you know, a lot of times as women, we highlight our weaknesses instead of our strengths. And I think this, um, this is something I've certainly struggled with before, um, you know, not in a self-confidence sense, but in, you know, just owning my power in certain areas saying like, Hey, I really am the expert on this. And this is why I, I really think we should go this direction. And instead of saying, well, I think, you know, maybe this or that, you know, just that first intro sentence on, Hey, I have a really strong background of this and I think I can do this. And we see this a lot um, at proxy. We have our co-founders are actually three women um, and we have strengths in all different areas. Chelsea is incredible at sales and marketing, and that's the strength she comes with. Um, And Maddie is great at coding and architecture and all things tech. And for me, it's UX and and leadership and things like that. And so, you know, we've tried within our own company to try to say, hey, you know, I have this expertise and I feel more comfortable proceeding this way. And it's been great there. Now, when you go out into the world, it's a little bit more challenging and you definitely see women who um, don't acknowledge their strengths quite as much. And that com- that um, has Im- really big impacts, not only in, you know, portraying confidence, but also in things like fundraising, which we know that, you know, women-led companies um, still only get 2% of venture capital funding. And I think that it's impossible, you know, of course, there's all kinds of bias and things like that in the selection process. But another issue that I've noticed within myself and other women that are going out for funding is that we don't own that strength in those pitch meetings. 
sorry, my headphones keep falling out. We don't own that strength in our pitch meetings. And, um, you know, that maybe can mean that we're not coming off quite as confident. And so um, I think it's important to write, even just write down what you're really good at and, you know, start you know, using that in your sentences and owning that as you're having conversations with people. Yeah. So true. I think, you know, we may know um, a lot about our particular area of expertise, but if that inner confidence isn't showing through in the way that we're delivering that, even though, um, you know, the words may be light lining up, people will be making an opinion or, or judging, if you will, on how you're portraying that, isn't it? And if you're not coming through uh, with that confidence, we're not talking about arrogance, but confidence, then that is definitely, when you're thinking about funding, who's going to to provide funding if you don't really believe in yourself and your product or service or whatever it is that, uh, you know, is the project at hand? What would you then say, what was what were some things that maybe you have done as, as individually or maybe as a, as the co-founding group that really allowed each of you to play to your strengths? Mm. Cause this is the area I often find uh, too, in some of the conversations that I've had that women have said that, you know what, sometimes we are our worst enemies because we can often compare and that can go on. If you're not feeling confident, um, the confidence that comes from other women can sometimes be a little bit disempowering to you. Mm. We can try that back. How do you manage that within the co-founding group to make sure you lift all of each other up in the strengths you bring to the table? Yeah, that's a really good good question because yes, it goes beyond just the language that you use, right? It's how you actually implement it and act. Um, day to day. And so for us, we're really fortunate that we do have different areas of strength um, and that we have a lot of control over those areas. But one of the ways that you can get there is I I love doing this matrix. And I think I learned it in in, um, undergrad where you kind of make a four by four matrix and you say, here are the things on one axes, you have um, things that I like to do and things that I don't like to do. And on the top, I don't know, you've probably seen this before, you have things that I'm not good at, or maybe I could improve on, maybe you, you don't use the weakness term, you say things I could improve on, and things that I'm really good at. And so, you know, if you start thinking about the tasks that you do each week, each day, each month, and you start binning them into buckets, that's a really great way um, for you as a team or individually to start seeing where people overlap and where, you know, perhaps I, perhaps Chelsea and I are both really good at something, but I like doing it and she doesn't like doing it. And so then that's how we might assign that task. Or maybe there's something that, you know, I'm good at, but I don't like doing. Um, and it, maybe the other team members aren't good at. And so we, it's just, that's kind of a, it's just part of the job. You just have to do it. And so I think writing out some of those tasks in that matrix can help. And then perhaps sharing it with your team can help, um, you know, divvy up tasks or at least just have visuals into, you know, what someone might enjoy doing, what they're not great at or what they're good at. And so then you can, you know, maybe switch up who owns that task based on, you know, where they fall in your um, strength matrix. And so that's something we've um, done 
I've done formally, but we've also done it informally within our team. And I think it's a really good starting exercise. Yeah. And one of the key things I think that really uh, comes through that, and I love that matrix, it's such a good one. We really do need to be clear on where our strengths lay, isn't it? If we're not clear on where our strengths are, it's very difficult to then continue to put yourself in positions where those strengths continue to be used and leveraged. And we can then often start, um, you know, getting into that comparison uh, mode. Because I'm pretty sure you're at a stage now where you are so thankful that Chelsea and uh, your other co-founder have such great strengths in the areas that you perhaps don't even really enjoy doing. (laughs) And thinking about taking on their roles probably for you is like I would just be exhausted within half an hour if I had to do whatever it is sales or something like that yeah and one example of that was even you know we were we were trying to land a big customer um uh, you know over the past month and I was kind of nagging Chelsea saying hey have you checked in with them can you email them like I really would like to close this out it will look good for our metrics yada 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 and Chelsea's response to me was hey, I'm pretty good at this. And I think we need to wait another day or two before we email them. And I thought, okay, I, I, I guess so. You know, I want, <laughs> I want an answer now. And we ended up getting a yes from them. And in addition to that, there was a really kind note about how they appreciated how patient we had been in the process because they had a really busy month and that they were, you know, happy with, you know, how we gave them space to make the decision. And, you know, that was one of those moments where I'm really glad that I acknowledge Chelsea's strength and let, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to become a micromanager. And um, one, I was glad that Chelsea acknowledged her strength to start with, say, hey, I'm I'm really good at this. And I, I think we need to wait. And then two, that I was you know, listen to her, which, you know, I, I like to do anyway. Um, but that was just such a clear example of, you know, her acknowledging her strength led to a better outcome and, you know, even a better relationship with our customer. So good. So good. Um, love that. Let's talk about why you should never take advice from people who aren't in the position you want to be in. We could probably do an entire show on this. I'm sure we've all heard, look, there are people who want to give you feedback. Some people may be very well-meaning, but it doesn't necessarily, the feedback that they're giving you going to be really helpful. So what in your experience have you had in this particular area? And what advice do you have for others who may be getting unwarranted or unasked for unrequested advice from people um, around them? How do, how, how do we handle that? Oh man. Yes. I think that this is such a important topic and I think it's something that people don't think about a lot. I think, you know, let's go back to our conversation about the career ladder. When you are getting advice from people about perhaps where to take your career, oftentimes you might get it from people who are a little bit further up that ladder than you. And that, you know, you have to recognize that that advice is probably accurate and well-meaning and, you know, valuable if that's who you want to be one day, right? If you want to climb that ladder, then you should listen to that person's advice. Now, 
if you have a bigger vision for not bigger, but a different vision for yourself, perhaps one day you want to be, you know, someone who makes, um, you know, side income and you're a stay at home parent, take people who are already in that position, take their advice. Don't take the career ladder person's advice. Or you might see someone who like, you know, that people that I looked up to who went off, started their own, you know, started their own company, grew it, made this awesome, um, you know, tech company and hired people and, and did this great thing to the world. If that's, if that's the person that you want to be someday, then that's the person, that's the advice that you should be taking. And so I think it's important to just remember that we have people who have taken all kinds of different paths in life who are constantly providing us with advice. And a lot of times that might come in the form of your parents or your spouse or, you know, your um, mentor from college or a peer from college. And those people, again, might have great advice if you want to follow a path that they are on. And so I think it's re- it's important to remember, you know, who or important to point out or recognize what kind of life or experience that person has. And just to remind yourself, hey, is that what I'm after? Because if not, then perhaps they made the best decision for their path, which might not be the best decision for my path. So if you don't know anyone that's in that path, you know, you have to go seek out those people and ask that advice. And I know if I asked anyone who was a startup founder about, you know, leaving my corporate ladder, they would have said, yes, do it, you know, or leaving my PhD to start something I'm passionate about. I know they would have said, yes, do it. Um, Whereas others may have discouraged that kind of move. Yeah, I think that we're in a position where there are now more female founders uh, that we can approach, you know, that that have gone before and walked the path. I wonder for you, Melinda, when you look back through your career, have you had certain mentors? Because one of the things that I often hear is that women wish that they had had more women mentors, people who were in a position or number of positions ahead. What have you found in your career? And and how did you find mentors if you had key key mentors? And then secondly, how did you approach them? Because I think some women can be a little bit, oh, you know, we go through that self-judgment, why would they want to mentor me? And, you know, they're quite nervous, so they never ask. So what has been your experience? Yeah, well, I have been incredibly fortunate to be around strong women my entire career, Um, you know, I I guess with the exception of undergrad, I didn't know a ton, but when I went into my first job after school, um, well, that's not true. I had an internship when I was in school that I had this woman boss and she was incredible and just this powerhouse that, you know, encouraged me and mentored me and taught me how to be a true professional. And then after, um, you know, I went into the intelligence community and I had women in that group that mentored me and were powerful and, um, you know, uh, really invested in me. Um, I, for example, I got to share an office with a coworker, um, Linda for many years. And it was probably my favorite part, like part of my career thus far, because I got to learn I literally sat right next to her and I got to learn from her every single day. Um, and so, and then when I went to get my PhD, my PhD advisor um, is a woman. And so I've really been fortunate to have a lot of 
women mentors in my life and all of whom have seen, you know, the path that I wanted to take and have encouraged me to take those leaps. Um, And I think, you know, for people who might not have that today, I think one thing that's really important, especially woman to woman is um, to, to form a really strong connection um, and reach out to those leaders. If you don't have them um, with a sense of admiration, with a sense of, you know, I'm so impressed by what you've been able to accomplish. Like, can I sit in on a meeting that you're, you're, you know, going to soon so I can learn from you? Can I, you know, um, help you with a side project? I think, you know, going with that sense of admiration, um, you know, I think when I mentor women, that is something that I always catches my eye, right? Like someone who has researched what I've done and, and wants to learn about a specific aspect of that. Um, and so anyway, I've been really lucky, but I think that there are some steps you can take to form those relationships. Yeah, those uh, suggestions I think are wonderful. There's nothing more powerful than being able to work alongside and to observe how someone responds and acts. I think their approach uh, is so important. You can learn a lot. You can learn a lot sitting in on meetings and and being there. Just so, so, so good. I know we're nearly at the end of the show, but I'd love to give you an opportunity to share. I know you did at the beginning of the interview, share a little bit about proxy, but share a little bit more about that. And also to where you can support others, because there may just be women that are listening to this podcast today that are looking for a solution that Proxy delivers, and they may not yet have heard about that. So Melinda, share a little bit about Proxy. Yeah. So as I mentioned at the beginning, Proxy is a really user-friendly mapping platform, and we built it to be the Canva for maps. Um, We just noticed online that so much information, um, especially lists of recommendations, places to go, places, you know, hospitals that, you know, you should go to, or, um, you know, perhaps where to take your newborn on a hike or something, you know, things like that. They're all text based in text online. And what that means is that when you as a busy woman or parent or, you know, travel planner are trying to decide where to go and what to do, it's really hard to synthesize all of that information when it's in text. And so that's why we've made it really easy for people to put information like top 10, you know, bars in Seattle or um, a um, travel guide onto a map because it helps organize the information. It helps you visually see where things are at. And then also it helps you use that information in situ. So I'm going on a Mexico City trip soon and I've added all of the points from the blogs that I've been reading using our Chrome extension. And then while I'm there, I'm going to be able to pull the map up, get directions, you know, say, oh, this place is only three blocks away you know, let's go there. Um, We've had people use it for all kinds of purposes, like hotel front desk maps, um, also for community crowdsourcing of mental health resources. Um, An organization called She Matters has the Pink Book, which is um, a map of hospitals that have the best outcomes for Black moms. And so there's all kinds of community-centered um, you know, travel. Um, it's, it's all about just organizing information. And I know that a lot of people out there need to do that. So you can go to proxy.co today, start a map for free. And, you know, it's pretty easy to get started and explore. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Melinda, for uh, for sharing. It was wonderful to speak to you today. And I know that those who've been listening live and, and catching up on the recording will certainly benefit from what you've shared today too. And certainly go and check out Proxy. It sounds like an incredible tool and so helpful. There's nothing worse, is it, when you're somewhere and then you leave a place and then once you've left, there's all of these other places that you, whilst you were there, you could have visited. So now you can pre-plan ahead and have it all there on that uh in that one place to to access love it love 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 it or you can find other proxy maps that people have made and bookmark them and so you don't even have to do the work so yes go there who's been there and what have they suggested yes love it what a great uh a great tool well thanks once again for coming on the show thanks for having me it was it was great this podcast is brought to you by the influencealliance.com Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.